He's a husband, a dad, and the associate pastor of DeKalb United Pentecostal Church. He's a licensed minister with the United Pentecostal Church International. You probably know him from preaching the paint off the walls at one of your conferences, camps, or conventions. He's one of my favorite preachers of all time and my friend, Myron Weidman Jr. I'm so honored and excited to have him as a guest on the Noteworthy Podcast today. I can't wait to share this incredible conversation with you. Before we dive into that, I just want to say thank you to you, the listeners, for leaving five-star ratings and reviews. You've allowed the show to reach uh, so many countries in every single state in North America. So thank you so much for that. I wanted to give a couple shout-outs to people who left reviews. Shout-out to DC Money 92 left five stars, and said, Brother Nathan, this podcast is awesome. It's great for a guy uh, who's just getting into ministry like me. I've been binging it. I love hearing all the testimonies and disciplines of all the other preachers you've had on. It's been encouraging and convicting. You also have so many revelations of the things of God, and I love hearing your outlooks. God bless you. Thank you so much for those kind words, my friend. You're going to love the conversation today because there's lots of great advice coming from our friend Myron Weidman Jr. Also wanted to say thank you to Reverend, left a five-star review, said each episode is packed with inspiration and good nuggets of encouragement, always thoughtful. Friends, thank you so much for leaving the ratings and reviews. If you leave it on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to be sure to give you a shout out on the show if you leave a rating and review. All right, guys, I'm not going to keep you waiting in suspense any longer. Here is my dear friend, Myron Weidman Jr. Let's go. Hey, Brother Weidman, how you doing, friend? I am doing wonderful. How are you doing, my brother? Man, I'm, I am doing great. This has surely been a unique year, but uh, how have things been going for you guys at DeKalb? Everything is going good. As as you said, this has definitely been a unique and a unusual year, right. uh, but, but through it all, God has been good to us, so we have no complaints. Well, bro, I, I'm thankful to hear that, and... Uh, just off the top here, thank you so much uh, for taking time to do this today. I know you've had an incredibly busy schedule at your church, you know, being the yes. associate pastor and travel and all the other 900 yes. million things that you do. So thank <laughs> you, bro. Thank you so much. Bro, thank you so much for having me, man. I, I just want I just want to honor you, man, and thank God for your friendship and and for your ministry, bro, you are the man. And I'm not oh, just saying bro. that. I'm not just saying that because you're the host. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're kind, bro. In, anytime your name is mentioned around me, bro, I have nothing but great things to say, not only about you, but even your family, man. I, I just love you guys and think the world of you. So thank you for having me on. I'm honored. Bro, that means so much to me, for real, because I have 
major respect for for the Weidmans, for your church, and and for you, bro. You know, I'll, I'm yep. just gonna throw this in here. This is off the script, but um, you know, I was just with you guys um, for your conference that you did yeah. online a couple months ago. I guess it's been, right. but. Uh, bro, one thing I've always respected about you, and I, I just want the listeners to know this for some that may not know you personally, I, I have the privilege to call you friend and I, and I see you behind the scenes. I know people know you from conferences and camps that you've preached, yes. but every time I'm at your church, bro, like you're running a camera, you're like, right, like you've got a mop, like you are to me, uh, which yes, I've sir. used your name many times as an example of what? somebody that just has a heart to to serve wow. and literally just jump in wherever yes. is needed. So I love and, and respect you for that, bro. I love what you're doing. Wow. Thank you for the kind words, bro. It means a lot. Appreciate that, bro. Oh, man. I mean it, bro. Now, these uh, these interviews, man, I, I've, I've been telling people that if you know, I've been we've been blessed to have a, a lot of people listening in and, and, and getting a lot of feedback from the show. But truthfully, if nobody listened, if right. nobody was listening, I would still do it to have these conversations <laughs> because I'm going to tell you who it blesses more than anybody. It's me wow. because wow. it's getting to talk to people like yourself, bro. It just wow. it means so much. And I kind of have three goals that I have every time we have an interview. That's to encourage us, to yes. challenge us, and to yes. convict us. I love uh, it. And so I'm praying today we're going to dive in, but I believe this conversation, if nobody else, I'm going to leave encouraged, I'm going to leave challenged, I'm going to leave convicted. So, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) Now, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and and where you serve and what you do. Yes, sir. Well, uh, I'll state the obvious first. My name is Myron Whiteman, Jr. I am... 37 years young make sure you say young right, right, right. <laughs> and, and, and not old <laughs> yeah. uh i i am married to a beautiful louisiana rose named tanya uh, we have been married for almost 13 years this coming january lord willing that's beautiful uh if, if he tears his coming the way the world is going but that's right <laughs> if he tears his coming, yes it'll be 13 years in january and uh, god has blessed us with two wonderful children uh, Myron the third M three. He's our little drummer boy. He's 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 the next up and coming drummer. He's amazing. And um and uh, Skyler, our our little princess uh, M three. He'll be ten in December. Oh. Lord willing, Skyler just turned five. So they are growing up fast. And uh, we reside here in the metropolitan area of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I am a licensed minister with the United Pentecostal Church International. Uh, I received my bachelor's degree in human development with a concentration on counseling from Wilson University back in 2016. Uh, And currently I serve as the associate pastor of the church that I grew up in, which is uh, a blessing, DeKalb United Pentecostal Church here in Stone Mountain, Georgia. So with all that being said, bro, I'm just I'm just a recipient of God's grace, man. And and uh, the only thing I can say is that he's been better to me than I deserve. Man, praise God, bro. I I love it, and you're you're always so involved, and and you wear uh, a a lot of hats at your church. Every time I'm there, I see you running each way, and I think a lot of listeners can relate to that, but what's it like for you serving in multiple roles like that? You have to to make sure you prayed up. (laughs) 
I'll, I'll definitely tell you that, man, because sometimes it does feel like you're stretched, man. But but one thing that 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 my father, my pastor instilled in me is that uh, to be a minister does not necessarily mean to stand on a platform yes, behind the pulpit, hold a uh, position, a title, have a parking space and, you know, you know, have an office per se. But the the very uh, original root definition for ministry is to serve, you know, and so and so I'm glad that he instilled that in me even even as a child. So even when I first and I know we're probably getting to this in a minute, but even when I first got into ministry uh, and I told my dad, I feel I had a call to preach. He didn't he didn't automatically throw me on the platform behind the pulpit. Wow. But the first but the first thing he did was he put me on the cleaning team. Wow. He put he put me on the outreach team. He put me on the homeless ministry team where I would get on a big yellow school bus every Sunday morning and drive downtown Atlanta. We would pick up 30 to 50 homeless people, men and women, every Sunday, bring them back to our church, feed them a hot, hot breakfast, eggs, bacon, grits, uh, pancakes. And then we would give them toiletries. We would preach to them and we would baptize them. And see, many of them, get, many of them get the Holy Ghost. And even some even came off the streets and are still members of our church today. Amazing. And, wow. and so he put in the Sunday school department. And so by doing that, I learned how to serve. So even now when people see me, you know, 16 years in, and, and, and as you said, yes, I preach. Yes, I have a position. Yes, I have an office and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to serve and I'll never get away from that, you know? And wow. so, and that's, that's, that's really, bro, you know, at the end of the day, man, you know, you have to have that heart of servitude because, you know, everybody wants to go high. Everybody wants to you know, be known and stuff like that. But, but, but to go high, you have to go low, Wow. you know? And, and, and so for me, bro, I just look at the example that Jesus set for us, man. You know, he, he came, he said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve his, his last act before he left was him with the towel in the basin, washing feet, you know? And my, so my, my. I try to keep that in my mind, bro. And, 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 no, and no matter how many places I preach at, no matter how many people know my name per se? At the end of the day, I'm nothing more than a servant, bro. Period, man. And I that's never beautiful. want to lose. Never that, want to lose. It. That's beautiful, man. Um, Brother Wayne Huntley told me one time. He said, "If you're too big to do small things, then you're too small to do big things." You know oh, what I'm saying? That's so, it. Wow, man. That's it. Well, bro, you have uh, an amazing testimony and journey to ministry. Now I know. Probably a lot of people listening right now, they've probably heard mm -hmm. you preach somewhere at some point, because I know you've traveled a lot. God's blessed you in that ministry. But uh, could you tell us a little bit about uh, your testimony? And and you can start as far back as you want and bring us into when did you first feel the call to preach? And 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 kind of the second part of that was, was it a one-time experience? Was it a series of events? So kind of start from your testimony and lead us up to that point where, you know, you're getting on the homeless ministry team, you're on the cleaning team. What brought you to that point? Absolutely. Uh, it was definitely a series of events, um, but there was, gotcha. of course, one significant moment that uh, actually catapulted me into ministry to give uh, context very quickly. I am a second generation apostolic. I had the privilege of being raised in the church. Uh, I received the, the gift of the Holy Ghost and I was baptized in Jesus name uh, at the age of seven years old. I'll never forget sitting on my mother's lap, uh, the Sunday night uh, revival. And uh, growing up, I went to Sunday school every Sunday. I went to youth camp every summer. 
I was a Bible quizzer for eight years. My whole world uh, revolved around the church. Uh, my father, he's a pastor. So so consequently, I would always hear things like, you know, you're going to be a preacher like your father. Or, you know, I, yes, I would hear stuff like, you, you know, you have your father's name and you sound like your father. You look like your father and you walk like your father. And they, <laughs> right. and they would tell me you have his mannerisms. So as I right. as I entered teen years, I felt the pressure even more to be a preacher like my father, to be just like him, per se. Mm. And and, bro, I knew that God had his hand on my life from the beginning. You know, I knew that he wanted to use me, but I did not want to do something just because it seemed like the thing to do or because that's what everybody else was telling me that I should do. You know, if God called me to preach, I didn't want it to be in for lack of a better word. I didn't want it to be through nepotism. Right. Right. I want it to be the perfect will of God. Wow. That's good. I can remember even growing up, you know, God would give me sermons and God would give me ideas and I would go in and tell my dad he would be studying and I would go in and tell him, Dad, you ought to preach this and 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 and, and, and what about this? And, and if anybody knows my dad, you know, he would he would fire back and say, You ought to preach it. <laughs> yeah. I mean I'm like 10, 10, 11 years old. He would say, God to give it to me, he gave it to you. You that, ought to preach. That's great. You know, but, you know, but I would always play it down and and with that being said, the next few years of my life, bro, man, they would drastically, you know, turn for the worse. Instead of running to God, I ran away from God. Mm-hmm. And so at the age of 15, I started hanging around the wrong crowd in my neighborhood. I got involved in right. gang activity. I started to smoke marijuana, started to drink alcohol. I started to live a life of promiscuity. I started gambling, cussing, stealing. I mean, it got so bad that during this season, uh, I had my driver license suspended, and I was even facing the possibility of having two felonies on my record. My goodness. But make a long story short, January 2004, I'll never forget it, one of the most important days in my life. My home church was having a missions conference one weekend, and I was 20 years old, bro, and I was getting ready to turn 21 in two months, and we had the whole uh, birthday planned out for me in two months. You know, we would be legal. We were going to all kind of clubs. We were getting ready to buy alcohol because, you know, I, I was turning 21. I would right. be legal. Right. And so we everything ready. But I'm so glad that God interrupted my plans. He intercepted my plans. Man, thank you, and, Jesus. And on this Friday night, bro, at the conclusion of this missions uh, conference, I was sitting on one of the pews getting ready to go home. A missionary walked over to me. And he said, young man, I don't know who you are. He said, but God told me to come tell you that this is the last time he's going to call you. He said, wow, call God tonight. And bro, speaking to people that know uh, Brother Gary Sones, the missionary from Spain who spoke this in my life, mm-hmm. every missionary that I've spoken to, they said that that's not even his style. My they said goodness. that he doesn't even operate like that. He's not a in your face type of preacher. But I thank God that wow. God sent him for me that night. And, 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 and for me, this was monumental because. You know, that was always my struggle, as I just mentioned. Everybody that knew my father was a preacher, they would always try to put that mantle on me. But God sent somebody from out of the country who didn't even know who I was to confirm and tell me, yet, yes, God's hand is on you, his anointing is on you, and he's calling you that night. My Bro, Lord. when those words left his mouth and hit my ears, it connected with my spirit that wow. night. I didn't wait till Sunday. I didn't wait till the next revival. I fell on my face that night. I began to pray. I began to cry. I began to repent for almost about an hour. I got up that same night, went to my father. I apologized for everything I had done. Mm. 
the reproach that I had brought to him, my mother and the church. I asked for his forgiveness. And I said, I'm tired of running. I said, I'm tired of trying to do this my way. I'm ready to be used by God, however you see fit. And like I just mentioned uh, at, at, at the onset of this conversation, that's when he immediately got me connected with the homeless team, outreach team, et cetera. Right after that, bro, 2005, the next year, I went to the Pentecost of Alexandria Training Center in Alexandria, Louisiana. I went there for 16 weeks, and that's actually where I met my wife. So thank God for that. Praise God. <laughs> you know, you know, I went I went there for ministry training, but I'm so glad that God had a help beat out there waiting for me. When so, you pursue the call, he takes woo, care of all. My, my, bro, my, my, my. I'm, I'm telling you, bro, and, 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 and that was the <laughs> furthest thing from my mind, trying, you know, going to Louisiana to try to find a wife. But 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 that just shows you that God had everything worked out. He had orchestrated everything, bro. Yes, sir. Yeah. And those four months changed my life. I returned home. I became a youth pastor. Uh, of our church in 2006. I then became the associate pastor in 2015 to present. And here we are today, bro. We're still on this journey, man. So I give God praise for everything that he has done and everything that he's still doing in my life, bro. Man, I love it, man. What a beautiful story. And, and it's funny how God can can do things for other people and then you hear their story. Like I, I'm here listening yeah. to your story and I'm saying, Thank you, God, that you did that for him, because what a blessing it has been to me. You know, it's just, man, it's so amazing how how God can do that. And I I thank God what he's doing, doing in your life. Now, um, now on this this podcast, we do have a lot of listeners that are uh, newly called to the ministry. Right. So so 2000. 2006 Myron right that's kind of where they're at and and they're looking at okay what what's God calling me to do how do I start that and so uh now I now listen I'm not just saying this because you're on the show today I would I say this in any room anywhere I'm at whether it's in Georgia or another state people ask me who who my top five uh preachers are it's always Myron Wadman Jr. in the top like bro I mean, and I'm not just saying that to try to flatter you. Like, I mean, truly, your ministry um, amazing. It it blesses me, and so I'm excited to to kind of unwrap this with you today. If if you could share maybe some of your spiritual disciplines, and and uh, with that, of course, your sermon prep. Now, this can be as spiritual or as practical as you want it to be, but I would love for you to help the listeners with how. Uh, do you prepare a message? What does that look like for you? And what are your spiritual daily disciplines behind that? Awesome. Awesome. Uh, my mornings, uh, they, they, they usually start early this. Now, uh, let me preface this and say, this may be different. I haven't always been like this, but, uh, but as you said, bro, I'm, I'm on this journey and and this is where God has me now. So I want to preface this by saying this may be different, than what other people or preachers may do. But um, uh, I don't want to surprise you, but I don't have a set time gotcha. in the morning in the morning to pray anymore. A while ago, I asked God, I said, God, I said, wake me up every morning when you're ready to talk to me. Wow. And let me tell you, bro, when you try God, he will answer. And, <laughs> and, and, yes. and every morning he wakes me up. And that's a very scary thing to pray, because guess what? Sometimes it's at midnight and I'm like, I just went to sleep, God. <laughs> like, <laughs> Give me a few more hours. Come on, it, yeah. It might be three a.m. It may be five seventeen. I don't know, but bro, 
I'll, I'll feel a nudge. I'll, I'll, I'll have a dream that it'll make me sit straight up in my bed. And then when that happens, my wife, she already knows. I normally just slip out of the bed. She knows everything is okay. Everything is fine. All is <laughs> well. Know? Yeah. All, all is well. You know, I guess God's speaking to my husband this morning. You know, and so I, right. I, I slip out of the bed, bro. And, 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 and um, I normally pray in our closet. And even with that, I don't even have a set time of that anymore. It may be 30 minutes. It may be an hour and a half. And so I went away from having a specific prayer time because if we're not careful, it would just become a routine. Right. It will wow. become a check on the to do list. OK, wow. Wow. woke up at I woke up at 430, check and did my prayer. But at the same time, it's not spontaneous. It's not fresh. It's not new. It's not alive. It has now become robotic. That's and mechanical. Good. You know, now this may not work for everybody, but it works for me. Sure. Uh, David, he penned in Psalm 63 and one. He said, early in the morning, will I seek you? Notice, bro, he never gave a specific time. Wow. He just said early, which if you study it in that context, it means first. There's no better time to pray and talk to God than early in the morning. Whatever time first. that may be. Wow. First, make sure that's the first thing you do. So, you know, some people brag and say, I do two, I do three, I do four. It doesn't matter as long as it's first. That's good. It's good to do it first in the morning because your day has not started. Everybody else is asleep. uh, It's quiet and you can hear God more clearly. Now, as the day goes on, I normally read a few chapters of the word of God every morning. Um, I use the Bible app to keep me accountable and organized. They have a lot of great devotionals. Uh, they have a lot of great Bible reading plans on the app. You can read the Bible in a year. Of course, you got 90 days and uh, chronological order. All this happens before I even get to the office. Now, when I get to church, I usually pray again. So, bro, I'm covering all bases. If, if, if for whatever reason, one morning I'm sick or I'm just, you know, I sleep all the way through. I'm gonna get my prayer in one way or the other. Yes, sir. So I so I pray in when I get into the office, I do some light reading, then I proceed, of course, with my work for the day. Now, a spiritual discipline to kind of uh go back to what I just mentioned, a spiritual discipline that I try to live by is making sure I have my personal devotion every day before I check social media, before I check my emails, uh text messages, before I make any phone calls. Love I that. try to intentionally make Jesus first right x 34 and 14 says that god is a jealous god i want everybody that's listening to hear me it says that he is a jealous god it did not say he was a selfish god there's a huge difference there he is a jealous god not a selfish god that's very important to understand because god does not mind us having other things in our lives he does not mind us having other people in our lives Notice the wording. He is not selfish. Wow. He's jealous. He does not mind us using our smartphones in moderation and Goodness. enjoying recreation and clean entertainment. He just said, I want to be first. Wow. Wow. I don't want to compete with anything. I don't want to compete with anybody else. If God if, if, if God made it to say, you know what? I just want to be me and you. He's God. And we would have had to fall in line. But God, even even in the beginning, when he looked at Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. God does not mind us having people and things in our lives. He's not selfish. He's just jealous. Oh, he wow. said, I want to be number one in your life. And everybody that's listening, I'm telling you, this is the key. This is one of the keys to your growth. This is one of the keys to your success. You have to keep him number one, even over your spouse. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm, even over on. your children, over your job. 
over your education first. and even over your ministry. Wow. He has to be first. first. It's either first mm-hmm. or nothing for him. Wow. And so and so for me, that's that's one of the most critical and important spiritual disciplines in my personal life that has helped me through the years. As long as I keep him first, my day usually goes smoother. I can always tell when I have not put him first because I'm 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 cranky or I'm <laughs> you know prideful, you know, jealous you know, competitive, whatever it is. If I keep him first, everything usually flows smoothly when he's first in my life. So that's that's a, a critical spiritual discipline. I think everybody, every every young leader, every young preacher, male, female needs to get in their life. Make sure you put him first. So now, good, bro. Now, as as an addendum to um, uh, spiritual disciplines, when you when you deal with sermon preparation and, and, and how to prepare a message, the time that I allocate for sermon preparation it usually comes right after my daily devotion. There's no better time to prepare for a sermon than after you've prayed and you've read his word. It's right. the perfect time to couple sermon prep with that. And for me, bro, you know, I'm the associate pastor here. Of course, you know, I travel and preach out a little bit. Now, I'm not, you know, traveling that much. Now, Corona has, has slowed everybody down. Sure, yeah. But, um, but even with that, bro, I don't I don't wait to prepare a sermon when it's time for me to preach. Right. You right. know. Okay, and, gotcha. And so for me, so even even if I'm not on the schedule to preach, I'm not going to sit and say, well, you know, I, you know, I'll just wait till, you know, pastor, my father, you know, calls on me. You have to have you have to have that desire and that burden to say, I'm going to stay ready. I'm because because what happens if your pastor call you, you know, uh, something happens. He calls you the morning of or the night before. You won't have time to get ready. You have to stay ready. Not so not even not. if your number, even if your number has not been called yet. Still dig it out and get in his work. Look at look at David. David's on the backside of a mountain. He's he's tending his father's sheep. He defeats lions and bears. He's not thinking about a Goliath. But when the time came, because he had already made preparation before, he didn't have time to get ready. He didn't have time to go practice and go. go He stayed ready. And it's the same principle with us. Don't wait. Hear me. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to somebody right now. Feel like your number's not being called. It feels like everybody else is being used and you're not being used. And, you know, the pa- your pastor may be overlooking you or, 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 or whatever. Yeah. Stay ready because trust me, if you keep the right attitude, keep the right spirit and stay faithful, when your number is called, you'll be ready because you'll say, I've been preparing for this day. I'm ready for it. Be ready. So, well, I'm talking to everybody. You will not have time to get ready. Please make sure you stay ready. So for me. Bro, I have sermons that I have that 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 I've written back in 2012 that I've never even preached yet before. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, bro! bro I have a full notebook, man, of, of 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 thoughts that I've gotten from my uh, devotion and stuff like that that I haven't put into a full sermon yet from four or five years ago. I, I have recordings on my cell phone while I'm just driving down the road or whatever that I've put into my phone. That I haven't put into a message yet, you know, and so. Once again, don't wait till your number is called. Get so, started. So, right. Since we're friends, I mean, I can have access to those notes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. When we log up, I text you. Bro, hit me up. I'm going to need, I need some of that in my life. That's amazing, bro. Hey, I love, I love that you're hitting on the the concept of, of first, because I've been, I've been really hitting this hard with, with the youth in my church right now that, you know, yeah. we've been really emphasizing prayer and devotion this year and personal devotion with our young people. And and it was interesting the other day in our youth class, 
I brought up a slide and and it was a picture from World War One and it was the the European soldiers and I okay. said tell me tell me something about these people what looks wrong with this picture and if you looked at the picture it's all these European soldiers in the mm-hmm. trenches and if you look at it you realize none of them have helmets oh, uh, wow. none of them have helmets and they're they're wearing hats but they're not helmets and there was a time I think it was it was uh, of course early 1900s I can't remember the exact years but there was about a two year span where they would not issue helmets for their soldiers. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. they, they said, when you do the research, they said, we didn't think it was important, and we didn't want to put the finances in to wow. give our soldiers helmets. Yeah. And they did a study with modern technology that hundreds of thousands of people would mm-hmm. have lived instead of died. They would have well, just been wow. injured if they had been if they had been properly armored, if they had yes. put on the right armor. And that's what that's I've been powerful. trying to tell people, our, our students, you got to put on your armor first because there's going to be attacks. There's going to be things that try to come against yes. you. And, and yes. you need to be prepped and ready for that. So thank you for hitting on that, bro. Man, I, I felt that today. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I tell a lot of people too, you know, the same way you go out in the public and you – Make sure you're fully clothed, you're fully dressed. You know, you have your, your shirt or your, your pants or you have your dress or, you know, your blouse or whatever on and stuff like that. It's the same thing in the spiritual. You have When you wake up every morning, you have to make sure you put the full armor of God on. You have to make sure that you that you are properly dressed. Because if you go outside and you have not put the full armor of God on, in, 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 in no uncertain terms, spiritually, you are now uh, indecent. And, no, and, no, no. and the same way in the natural if you're walking around unclothed, there's repercussions for that. It's the same thing with spiritual realm. If you walk outside and you're indecently exposed, right. then trust me, you will have to pay the consequences. So please make sure you dress, not only physically and naturally, but even spiritually before That's you so leave good. the house every morning. That's so good, bro. Now, I I jumped in. I got excited about spiritual armor, and I and I cut you off, but there there was a second part of this question you're talking about. Um, about your sermon prep, and I wanted to dive in a little practically with that uh, because yeah. this is a podcast and, and we get an opportunity to talk about things like this. Uh, what does that look like for you? Is it is it manuscript? <laughs> Are your notes uh, little reminders? Uh, what does mm-hmm. that process look for you to the young minister that, that yes. doesn't know how to prepare his or her notes yet? What does that awesome. look like for you? Awesome. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, the time, bro, that I'm I want to I want to repeat that that I allocate for sermon preparation uh, usually comes right after my devotion. Now, for me, uh, the place where you prepare your sermons is also important. Uh, I typically use my church office uh, because I can always you know close lock my door and I can just zone out and I can tell the secretary or, or whoever is here, hey, you know, give me some time, hold the calls, etc. Uh, now, some people like to study at home, but you know, if I stay at home, now I have my wife and. You know, I love her. I love my kids. I love my dog, (laughs) but but they're all vying for my attention, you know. And so uh, I know some people like to study at Starbucks and libraries and stuff like that. But I don't like to be around anybody when I'm preparing a message. So I think it's I think it's important. I want to help our listeners today. I think it's important to know that while you are preparing a message, first fall in love with the one you are preparing with. That's God. Then fall in love with those you're preparing for that's the people and finally fall in love with the preparatory moment itself it was 
it was Charles Spurgeon. Uh, he joked one time. He said English preachers have studies and American preachers have offices because no studying is being done. Wow. <laughs> and oh, wow. so, man, when I heard that, man, that's 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 convicting. You know, we, 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 must, we must make time to study God's word and prepare the message that God is trying to get to his people. Second Timothy 2.15, very familiar verse. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. After I have a direction of where I feel God wants the message to go, I first familiarize myself with the text as much as I can. I want you to listen to this. I want to know who is the author of this book. Mm. I want to know when was it written? Where did this happen? Because geography is critical. If I if I can just slide in, even, you know, the the very familiar story in John four, when the Bible said Jesus must needs go through Samaria. You know, if if you study the geography of that, Samaria was right in the middle of Galilee. Galilee was north. Judea was south. Samaria was right in the middle. And the Jews historically did not go through Samaria. They went around Samaria because, Mm. remember, the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. But Jesus said, I must go through. Samaria. So if you don't understand uh, the criticality of the geography of Samaria, you're going to miss some good meat in that story. Now you see why it was so important for Jesus to have to go through Samaria because it was right in the middle and the Jews didn't want to go that direction. Wow. So bro, wow. I studied I, I study geography and I study why was this done in the text? Who was the text talking to? And then how is this applicable to us in 2020? Once I have exhausted all my resources and I have completed a full exegesis of the text. I then begin to now start putting the pieces together now so I can be more practical and more pragmatic. This is the nuts and the bolts of how I build my sermon. Now, I'm not saying this is the best way. I know that I'm, you know, I'm not some great preacher and the greatest greatest preacher. I'm not saying that I know it's subjective sermon preparation, but this is what works for me. The way I prepare my sermons is, is is pretty elementary. In school, if you remember, they taught us when writing a book report or a research paper, they said always have an introduction, a body, mm-hmm. and a conclusion. And right. so, I, and bro, so I've adapted that, and that's how I build my sermons. All three sections are important. My introduction, I'm going to get practical through here. My introduction, yeah. my introduction introduces my subject. I'm not going to give a lot of heavy information during my introduction. It's more about giving a setting. It's about giving a context to what I'm getting ready to preach about. Now, although the introduction may not have a lot of meat in it, listen to this. It is still a vital part of the message because it sets the tone for the remainder of the message. Yes. The first five to ten minutes of a sermon are crucial because people usually make up their mind if what you're talking about is something worth paying attention to or not. Hear me. You can lose your audience in the first five or ten minutes, man. Come on. That, yeah. You know, so your introduction, it should grab the attention of the people you are preaching to. Now, as I transition, the next part of the sermon is the body. This is where the plot of the text is discussed and worked through. Don't miss this through here. This is the climax of my message. The body is what holds up the message. This is where I now deal with the plot of the text. This is an important part of the sermon because this is where the tension of the text is. I'm going to say this, and I and, 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 and I want everybody to hear me. 
Mm-hmm. You need a little tension to keep people's attention. I'm going to say it again. It's good. You need a little tension to keep people's attention. What makes a movie good? What makes a book good? It's the tension of the story that keeps people on the edge of their seat. Right, right. They want to know what and how much will the hero have to go through before they reach victory. Come, oh my. It's the same thing with the sermon. I know I'm being practical, man, but I'm telling you. It's so good. This is so good. Because people know that Jesus is always going to win. At the end of the book, he wins. He wins, yes. But people want to know what did he have to go through to achieve it. Wow, that's good, man. At the end of every sermon we preach, I hope Jesus is always victorious. Yes, yes. But what keeps us intrigued most times is what him and the other biblical characters went through to reach triumph. That's That's how you keep people's attention. Finally, I then move into my conclusion. Now, in my conclusion, I recap and I wrap everything up. This is the time where I give my altar call. I give instructions on how the sermon, how the message can be applied, how it can be applicable to your life. The conclusion is critical, especially for us. Every apostolic that's listening is critical for us because we're not like others, per se. We don't preach just to preach. Right. We preach so that people can come to the knowledge of truth and be filled or yes. refilled. Yes. We preach for change. we preach for transformation. My conclusion, bro, it always tries to get people to an altar, whether right. on their feet or on their face. Whew. This is the moment of the sermon where now lives are changed. Destinies are altered. Callings are accepted. Strongholds are broken. And now you're not listening to me anymore. I'm finished preaching now. Now you're talking to God for yourself about what you just heard. So in a nutshell, bro, that's how I craft, that's how I build. It may not be deep, it may not be whatever, but it works for me. Introduction, body, conclusion, bro. And I'll let get out of the way and let God do the rest. Man, that is so good, bro. That is some of the best practical explanation I've we've I think we've ever been given on the podcast because what? there is something about what you said about we know Jesus wins, right? We yeah. know he's victorious, but trying to keep people involved in the text right. and keep people involved in the characters that yeah, is and bro i i just gotta say it i don't know <laughs> anybody that does it better than you bro it's oh. so good it's bro. so good man bro, okay, a, bro an example of that right winter youth conference uh, mm. my 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 did matt tuttle which uh you know matt tuttle's been on the show before we talked a little wow. bit about that but when he picked up those rocks and started talking bro, to those, ro- oh my lord, bro, bro, bro! I mean, he painted a picture, didn't he, man? Oh, I mean, everybody was on the edge of their seat, man, waiting, waiting, like, like, what's the next rock? <laughs> you know, oh, bro. Know. Listen, li- listen. I told him. I said, man. I said, if he, I, I told him at the end of the service. I said, if you would have, if you would have mentioned the rock that uh that was rolled away from Jesus' tomb, <laughs> I, said, I said the roof would have came up. That would have been a came Off the building, bro. <laughs> It's a wrap. But that's, that's what it's wrap. about, man. Keep, keep keeping the listener engaged, bro. Keeping the listener engaged. So. so so good, man. Thank you for that practical advice. I think it's you know, I think it's really important. You know, UPCI Youth Ministries uses the slogan um in engage or educate yes. and engage. I believe I'm mm-hmm. saying that right. And okay. and that's one of the things I love about getting to talk to people about yourself is that is that it gives us an opportunity 
in in a in an intimate setting like this where yeah. we're, you know we're here we're friends we're having a conversation and we can say okay this is important this is we need to educate you and and yeah. coming from somebody like yourself I, I know that that's going to be such a blessing to sure. some young ministers that are listening now um, this this question here I want to kind of shift gears a little bit and this is a unique sure. question I've uh, I haven't asked this to everybody but. Uh, and that is this, what has been a challenge for you in ministry and how did you overcome it? I know that's a unique question, but Absolutely. I have really felt to introduce it into the show because there are lots of challenges in ministry. Yeah. And what are some that you faced and, and how did you overcome them? Absolutely. Uh, of course, bro, like everybody in ministry, I have uh, had my share of challenges over the years and, of course, uh, still have present day challenges one of the biggest challenges I faced early in my ministry was learning how to be comfortable in my own skin. Mm. I had to accept and I had to learn to be who God called me to be. Yes, yes. Uh, it was it, it was William Shakespeare. He said to thine own self be true. I think I think I might have tweeted this yesterday or a few days ago. God can only anoint who you are, not who you pretend to be. My goodness. And, and 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 for me, man, that has been my mantra through the years of ministry. God can only anoint who I am, not who I pretend to be. Now, you know, we, we all have role models. We all have mentors and people we admire and study and look up to. But at the end of the day, I had to become the preacher that God called me to be. Some people, yes, some people, some people preach with notes. Some people preach without notes. Some people may have a high octane style of delivery. Some may have a low teaching style of delivery, and I had to not look at anybody else, but I had to find my own identity in Christ. And that took some time. That that took some prayer. That took some fact. I could not be the preacher that I thought everybody liked or everybody wanted me to be, but I had to be who God called me to be. Wow. Remember, I remember, bro, when I first accepted my call to preach, uh, Pastor Sam Emery, who is um, an elder in my life, he was. He was at our house and he was preaching at our church. It was back in 2004, I think, uh, or, or maybe 05. Uh, and we were in the kitchen talking and, and I was so elated to share with him the good news that I had repented and I had made my way back to church. And because, uh, you know, he, he saw me through my bad, my, my rough years. And and I, I was just so happy to finally tell him, hey, you know, Pastor Emery, I've accepted my call to preach and I'm working towards it. And so, you know, you know, he and I are sitting at the kitchen table. It was just us talking and. He asked me, he said, so how is it going, Myron? And, and you know, you know, you, you know, the ministry and, 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 you know, the church and stuff like that. And I told him, I said, for the most part, I said, it's going well. I said, but I am having trouble with, you know, some people uh, accepting my call or, you know, telling me that, you know, you know, I should do it this way or do it that way. Or some people don't 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 feel that it's a legitimate call or whatever, you know. Wow. And he said, Myron, he looked at me in my face. I'll never forget. He looked at me in my face. He said, Myron, he said, who call you to preach? Mm. And I said, I thought it was a trick question. I said, uh, God, <laughs> like, like is, is this a rhetorical question? I said, God called me. <laughs> right. He got up from the table and walked away. My. I'm like, <laughs> anybody know the brother Emory? That that's how he is. I'm thinking like, man, I need something deep, man. I need something revelatory. You, you know, needed you know, I need yeah. to pro- <laughs> prophesy, man. Come lay hands on me or something, man. You know, you, right. you, know, you know, just take it, take it away from me. He asked me that rhetorical question, who called you to preach? And I said, Mm. God. And he literally looked at me, 
got it from the table and went away. Early in my and, and bro, he didn't have to say nothing else. That was it for me. Early in my ministry, I had to realize that it was God. I knew it, but I had to I had to accept it that it was God that called me. He wow. gave me my call. He gave me my voice. He gave me my personality. He gave me my emotions, bro. He gave me my style of delivery. And I was not going to apologize about it anymore. This was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me in my ministry is when I finally became the preacher God wow. called me to be. Wow. Praise God. Everybody that's listening to me, once you realize and accept who you are in Christ, because I understand we can be our worst critic. I, I get it. Even now. I mean, I've preached hundreds of sermons through these last 16 years, but I still hate hearing myself talk. <laughs> right, right, I hear you. I, I hate it. You know, you know, somebody's watching, you know, listening to me on YouTube or something like that. And I'm like, turn it off. I don't want to hear myself. You, you know, so. <laughs> I don't want to see myself, you know, because I'm 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 my own worst. We we all relate to that. My goodness, that's what I'm saying, bro. You know, but at the end of the day, I am who I am. God gave me this voice, you know. You know, he 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 gave me my style. You know, he gave me my homiletical approach to ministry. You know, and so I can't apologize for it. And once I realized that, once I accepted, I am who I am in Christ. You won't compete. Once you realize who you are, you won't compete with anybody else. Right. You won't get jealous of anybody else. You won't even get anxious, per se, because you realize that they are who they are and I am who I am. And what God has for them is for them. And what God has for me is for me. And that was one of the biggest challenges I had to face. I'll give you another quick example. And I know uh, I know we're running out of time. I'll give you you another quick example. I was talking to my father one day. And I told him that I said, I've been asked to preach at this particular conference. At this point, uh, this was the biggest conference I had ever preached before. I think it was in 2013. I knew the speakers that they had the previous years before, which, you know, left me a little intimidated. Like, why are they calling me? And so <laughs> I was honored. I was honored for the invitation, but I was also terrified, if I can be honest. And I told my father, I said, I don't know why they want me to come preach. I said, I don't even know if I can do it. I said, I accepted it. I said, but I really didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And my father, he looked at me and said, he said, Myron, they ask you to come preach. He said, already knowing the ministry that God has given you. So he said, if they wanted so-and-so to preach, they would have called they, so-and-so. They him. Wow. He said, but they called and asked you to preach. He said, so you go and be yourself and let God use you. My and goodness. so, bro, just, just those simple words, man, through the years, man, have have stuck with me, just being comfortable in my own skin, accepting who I am, uh, accepting the call that he's put on my life, man, and letting him do the rest, bro. That's that's powerful, bro. I feel like I needed to hear that, and I know somebody listening needed to hear it as well. And it definitely shows when you preach, bro, that you're you're being you, you're being yourself. Yeah. And yeah. and I love that quote that God can't use what you pretend to be. Man, mm. that's powerful, bro. <laughs> that's so powerful. That's now, man, I, I know that um I know that I could I could sit here, I could and this could get dangerous, bro, because five hours <laughs> later I could still be here talking. <laughs> so, it's but, all uh, good, bro. I'm enjoying I, it. I, I wanna um I wanna kinda put a bow on this and I've and I've I felt the Lord uh, in in 2019. Uh, I started doing this in 2018. In 2019 at NAYC mm-hmm. on uh, on Thursday night, Jack Cunningham uh, preached. And if you know, 
you've probably you know yes. most people have probably heard it they can relate to that yeah. night and i was there I think, a, I think a thousand people got the holy ghost that night mm. um there was hundreds of yeah. miracles uh i mean it was it crazy. was crazy, crazy crazy and he preached apostolic to the core Powerful. Powerful. and um and so i've been trying to kind of close the show with this thought i've really felt holy ghost led to do it and that question is this uh what does generation z and millennials need to work on to make sure we remain, like Brother Cunningham said, apostolic right. to, to the, the core. core. What is it, you know, and you can hit on some things we're doing well, but 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 challenge us. What's what's something we need to just work on to make sure we stay steadfast in to stay apostolic during these last days? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, it, bro, everything that we believe as apostolics, it can, uh, I like to use the analogy uh, it can be referred to as a three-legged stool. Mm. Our apostolic foundation, it rests on three specific beliefs. And for our generation, uh, millennials, Gen Z, uh, and beyond, uh, for us to remain apostolic, we're going to have to make sure that we rest on these three specific beliefs. The first leg is the oneness of God. Period. The oneness of God, bro. Wow. Nothing, nothing new. You know, nothing, nothing deep. It's the oneness of God. This generation must believe that there's only one God and his name is Jesus. They cannot be neutral. They cannot be quiet. They cannot be unsure of the oneness of God. Wow. They must believe that there is only one Lord, yes, one yes, faith yes. and one baptism. And our generation you know, Generation X, Baby Boomers, the older generation, we must continue to keep preaching it, keep teaching it, keep singing about it. But this generation will have to dig in and study for themselves as well. That's the first leg, bro. We got to make sure we always hold that up, the oneness of God. The second leg that holds uh, this this stool up, per se, the second leg is the new birth experience. This generation must still believe in Acts 238. Yes. We still have to make sure repentance, water baptism in Jesus name. I know it's elementary for some, but it still has to be said. No, the filling of the Holy Ghost with the ever speaking in tongues is still essential still even in 2020. The plan of salvation will never change. It'll never be modified. It'll never be done away with. It'll never become extinct. This generation right. must stand for truth. And we cannot be blown away with every wind of doctrine. That comes because especially when our, uh, our millennials and Gen Z, when they when they graduate from high school and go off to college, especially secular colleges and, and, and they're being indoctrinated with all this false doctrine and, 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 you know, all this Big Bang theory and evolution, all kind of stuff. They have to make sure that they know where we stand for themselves because mom and daddy and pastor and bishop, youth pastor, they're not, they're not going to be around. 24-7. You got to make sure you dig in for yourself and understand that first, there's only yes. one God, and the new birth experience is still essential. The third leg that holds us up as an apostolic movement is holiness. That's the yes. third leg. Wow. Separation from the world. I know, oh man, that's almost like a cuss word today. Holiness. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. It may not be popular. I know it's not trendy, but it's still right. Still right. The old, the old folks, they used to say things like, it's holiness or hell. Mm. And I know that can be offensive in today's culture. You know, <laughs> my Lord, everybody is offended by everything you say today. That, that oh, That's yeah. offensive. 
but it still remains true. Apostolics have always lived a life of holiness. We've always lived a life of separation from the world. And it must continue in this generation and beyond if the Lord tarries is coming. I believe, bro, this generation will be apostolic to the core. They will remain that way if they rest on this three-legged stool. The oneness of God, new birth, plan of salvation, and holiness. We can't lose, bro. We can't be stopped. Brother Weidman, my goodness, man, thank you. Thank you for that word. And and I, I want you to know that this this conversation has, has blessed me today. And I and I, I feel very honored to, to call you friend. I feel very honored to to get to be just a little small part of, of what you're doing and get to be a part of, of the things that God is, is using you to do. And thank you for investing into the ministers and 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 even those that may not feel called to be a preacher you know they i feel like everybody has a ministry and i think i think there's something for everybody in this conversation today i feel i feel encouraged i feel challenged and i feel a little convicted and i think i think that's the way it should be so would you do us the honor of just praying over the audience would you pray over us and and just pray that god will be with us through this remainder of the day Yes. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus. First, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your long suffering. Thank you for your kindness that you that you show to us and extend to us every day. I pray for every listener, God, that has listened to this podcast. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would keep your hand upon them. Continue to lead and guide them. As Brother French just said a few minutes ago, everybody is important to the kingdom. Everybody has a place. Everybody has a ministry. In this in this closing prayer, God, I pray, Lord God, that, that you would anoint every listener, no matter how young, no matter how old, God, no matter how insignificant they may be, they may feel, God. There's there's room for everybody in the kingdom, Lord God. Help us to understand the time and the season that we are living in, that we must work while it is day because nighttime is coming when no man can work. Raise up this generation to be powerful and mightily used by you. All these things we ask in your name, we pray. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And Myron, I love you, friend. I'm so incredibly thankful for you, bro. Bro, the feeling is mutual. I love you, your your whole family, bro. I just think the world of you guys. And if you ever need anything, I'm here for you, bro. I have your back. Thank you, my friend. And hey, would you please tell M3 he's doing a great job with his YouTube <laughs> channel. And yeah. Rachel and I are so proud of him, man. Thank you so much. And I and this is a shameless plug. If you have YouTube, go follow my son right now. Go M3. do it right now. M3 Stop M3 everything. Kid M3 Kid Drummer. I love you, bro. I love, I love you, so friend. Much. I look forward to seeing you very soon, and have a blessed day, bro. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye.